If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we'll be reading a familiar portion of Scripture today. 1 Peter chapter 5. Has anybody heard before in a Sunday school context or a preaching context that Satan's like a roaring lion? This is the text that we'll be reading from today that contains that description of him. And it also, have you ever heard, if you'll humble yourself with God, that he will exalt you? We find that in our text today, too. There are wonderful spiritual truths that are in our text today. So I'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Brother Willie, if you're feeling low, it's okay as long as you're under his hand. If humility, listen to me, humility has an upward trajectory. Pride has a downward direction, but humility has an upward trajectory. If you can find yourself humble with the Lord, then you'll find that your life is going to be elevated. God's going to help you. So he may exhaust you in due time, casting all your care on him, for he cares for you. One of my favorite things to do with these two strapping guys over here is to go over to the pond uh, just by uh, 385. They've got a great pond, and we like to cast lures in the water. But it's pretty easy when you've got a little, uh, you know, three and eighths of an ounce crankbait or something. You just kind of flick your wrist with that rod, and it goes out there. Peter was not that kind of fisherman. And the writer of this text, when he talked about casting, he cast nets. And they weighed somewhere between 20 to 40 pounds because they were heavy ropes and they also had weights on them to surround the fish in the water. And so when they would cast these nets off of their boats on the Sea of Galilee, it took tremendous physical strength to throw those nets away from the boat. And this is the same word that Peter uses to cast something forcefully away from you. Do you know tomorrow, if there's a challenge in your life that you've been facing, I don't, I don't mean to be unkind here, but it may require some effort to cast that care on the Lord. You might not just be able to say a, a simple prayer and say, okay, Jesus, give me a good day. And I, I, you know, and it just, that anxiety completely leave you. But Peter tells us that we can forcefully throw things away from our psychology onto his Ontology. We can throw it on the Lord and he will bear our burden. So humble yourselves, cast your cares on him. And then he does acknowledge here, we do have an enemy. This is not just a self-help program in a world just full of humans. There is, there is a, 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 an adversary. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Your, your adversary, he's like a roaring lion. He's roaming about and he's seeking whom he may devour. What a wonderful truth is contained in those three letters, M-A-Y. He is seeking permission, Brother Jim, to devour. That means that nothing, nothing that happens to me can happen by Satan's authority. It only can happen under God's sovereignty. Everything that comes my way has to be cleared first over heaven's desk. And so God will not allow me to have more than I can stand. God will not allow Satan to destroy what he wants to protect. And so that's a wonderful truth today that we can, that we can know. Resist in steadfastness of faith, the same afflictions 
Listen, the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren, which are in the world. This is an important truth. We call each other brother and sister because we have been born into the body of Christ. And yet in this context, Peter says, even those that are in the world are our brothers. And, and, and the meaning here is, and the implication is, we're all part of the created family of God in terms of we all bear his image. This is an important reminder for Christians at a time of increasing cultural acrimony. When people are back and forth and they get on the social media platforms, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or whatever, or Facebook, and they're back and forth and, and people are, are spreading, you know, there's the left and the right and there's the donkey and the elephant and there's the red and the blue and, and there's this and that and there's the, the different racial constructs and the, and the educational constructs and the economic constructs and all that. But Peter says anybody in the world is, in a sense, they're still created by God and they're still our brother, our sister in that they bear the image of God. That's a good thing for us to keep in mind as we put forward the message of Christ in our contemporary world. Because there's a lot of hatred out there and we don't overcome hatred with hatred. We overcome hatred with the love of Jesus Christ. But he puts an important truth in there when he says that the same afflictions are accomplished on your brother which in the world. Rebecca, some things are hard in the Christian journey. But I had rather face hard things with Jesus than hard things without Jesus. And just because we dedicate our lives to the Lord, just because we're baptized in his name and water, we're baptized in spirit. It doesn't mean that we won't face challenges, but it does mean that we won't face challenges alone. If you look up today, you'll find the presence of God is with you through every circumstance. And by the way, if you look around you, you'll find some people that will be with you through those circumstances too. I happen to know that because... I know the people in this room, and these are faithful people that will be loyal to you and will pray for you and, and not gossip about you, and, and they will love you uh, through the circumstances. So Peter says the same afflictions are there, but the God of all grace, who's called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. You see, the difference between afflictions and glory is grace. The difference between circumstance and, and success is sovereignty. When God gets involved, our situation becomes a platform for him to work on. When God gets involved, everything changes. He says the God of all grace is called into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after. Everyone say that word with me with you. After. Let's say it again. After. Something happens. Then there's an afterwards. And you step out of that moment into this moment. I know I'm being overly simplistic today, but I want to make a point. And that is this. There is an after in your situation. Problems. Problems and challenges are difficult, but they are terminal. Problems and challenges can be raging, but they have an expiration date. There is an after. And he says, after you've suffered a while. Now, I don't know how long a while is. I wish the Lord would reveal to me on June 17th, Sheila, your problem's going to stop. And Jay, you're going to find, you know, all this career and, and, and social and all this stuff. October 23rd, that's your day. So just suffer for a while. And, and that's what, but I don't, that's. That's for fake prophets if, if, if they say it and don't know it. If they know it, then it's real. God's not revealed to me when some of the challenges that you're facing are going to be over. 
But what God has shown me is they are going to be over. Because he said, after you've suffered a while, he's going to do four things. And there's four magnificent promises in the scripture. He's going to perfect you. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. And he's going to settle you. And that's the purpose of my message today is that God is going to do those things for us. You remember last week on our digital uh, Zoom call, we talked about those four things that God will do. So I want to preach for just a moment today on the aftermath, on the aftermath. There is an aftermath that comes with storms. Now, we just finished, we just finished uh, going through a, a, a three-decade storm. To my knowledge, you got to go back to 94 to get as bad as it was. And some of you uh, better meteorologists could, could educate me on that if I'm wrong. But suffice to say, it was a difficult storm, and it doesn't happen every week or even every winter in, in Memphis area. Um, if you could show those, the next slide, Brother Mark, we have a picture of, of Beale Street there. That shows uh, usually where you have revelers and people out there. Uh, there's nobody down there on the street. The sign even says no. Uh, and so you, you couldn't go out there. There was nobody here in the blues. There was nobody, um, uh, you know, having a party on Bill Street. It was shut down. That's our little farm out by Arlington Way uh, where we kind of go out and mess around with tractors and stuff and try to turn the kids loose so they can't tear too much up. And it was a, there's some snow and ice, and I took a picture there. The bottom picture is where I work at West Clinic. Uh, on the top floor, it was just snowed over, and so you weren't supposed to be out there. I snuck out a little bit, took a picture because I thought it was neat. And Scott, I'm not as good at photography as you are, or Kayla is, but uh, I did want to take that picture. So all those are kind of neat and kind of beautiful and kind of interesting. Unless you happen to own a place of business on Beagle, then you're probably like, oh man, here we go again. But it's, it's, it's interesting. But take a look at this next picture. Storms are beautiful, but they can be destructive. This is a young college student over by Rhodes. And uh, he slept through the whole thing. It's what teenagers do, college students. He, he was asleep. And somebody said, man, there's a big sound outside. And it woke him up and he walked outside. And here was his truck. And it, it, it hurt both of them, but it smashed the windshield on that red truck. And um, it, it'll be a while before that red truck is the way it was because there was an aftermath of the storm. Anybody ever notice that there's an aftermath Amen. when the storm's over? You ever notice there's things to clean up? In a natural world, you, you go outside, what do you do? You look for limbs, you check the gutters and look at that, make sure that nothing's falling down. And, and uh, sometimes if, if it happened to be the day before trash day and it gets real windy and all that, somebody that didn't have their trash all tied up neat and nice like Brother Mullins, he, he's, always, he's always got everything together. And Scott King, he probably already clamped down the lid on his trash can, but some goofball like me that's kind of flying by the seat of their pants or something, and, and boy, there's McDonald's wrappers and everything all over your yard because your, your neighbor didn't, didn't do what he or she was supposed to do, and, and, and there you go. Um, the aftermath. Some of it is simple. Some of it's an inconvenience. Some of it is devastating. Some of it is so destructive that it doesn't bear in the light remarks we said today. Sometimes aftermath is incredibly difficult. But I want to encourage you today that God is not only a God of what you had. God is also a God of what you have left. And if you're standing in the aftermath of a situation, whether you brought it on yourself or whether someone else brought it on you, or whether it was just part of living in the world, as Peter said, and some things just happen. You know, the, the scripture teaches us that it does rain on the just and the unjust. And sometimes we get a little rain, sometimes we get a lot. Sometimes we get sunshine, and sometimes we get drought. Things happen. Life happens. 
But if you're in the aftermath of the storm, I do want to offer you one simple word of encouragement today. And please don't take it as being overly simplistic or even in a way flippant in any way. If you're in the aftermath, that means one thing. It means the storm is over. If you're in the aftermath, then the expiration date on your circumstance has already passed. If you're standing in the chaos, it means that it's still not swirling around you. And the wonderful thing about cleanup is you're still alive to do the cleanup. And you still have the courage and you still have the strength. Let me just bring it home very simply today and very, it, 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 as much as I can relate it to you today. God has designed that you will outlast your storm. God has promised in his word that you will make it if you stick with him. Amen. September 5th, 1831. If I have the date correct, there was a stargazer and he pointed his or her telescope at the sky and that person saw something famous. Does anybody know what this planet is? Somebody said Jupiter and, and that was the right one. So we got, we got good answers coming from all over. What is that red dot doing on the surface of Jupiter? What causes that? Does anybody know? It is a storm. And yes, it is a cyclone. It actually turns counterclockwise. Sheila's grinning from ear to ear. I can see it even beyond her mask. She is proud of her, of her menfolk back there answering these questions. That is a storm, Brother Young. It is a powerful storm. And it is a big storm. 268 mile an hour winds sustained since at least September 5th, 1831. That is a long storm. It is five miles high. It's taller than Everest. And by diameter, it is over 30% larger than our entire planet. You see, here's the difference between Jupiter and Earth. And I didn't come to give you an astronomy lesson, but there's truth in the universe. And Paul said that it teaches the ways of God and we're without excuse because of what we can observe. Here's what I want to tell you about storms on Jupiter. The reason why they last so long and they are internal is there is no land on Jupiter. It's all water. And so there's no way that the low pressure of a sustained storm can spin itself out. And the cyclone continues in perpetuity. Almost two centuries this storm has been going on. And so if you were a Jupiterite, then you would really be in trouble. But you should thank God today that you are not a Jupiterite. If there ever was life there, I don't know. But we are earthlings today. And on earth, on earth, things are different. The ninth verse of your Bible on the third day of creation God made an important distinction. And my Bible says that he separated the land from the water. That means something very important, Scott. It means when storms come, they have to stop. Because there's land on earth that peters out the power of a storm. And it cannot stay forever. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. God came to this earth and took on human form. And he has a power in the incarnate body of Jesus Christ. The flesh, the earth to stop the power of a storm. He stood out on the bow of the ship and when he said peace be still it was not a meteorologic uh, suggestion. It was a theological necessity. When the master of the wind speaks 
the storm stops because storms are not sovereign. God is sovereign. Storms don't decide when they come and when they go. Our God decides when they have to stop. Aftermath. Aftermath. Powerful storms. Difficult storms. And I'm not going to give you hallmark theology and bumper sticker wisdom and pat you on the back and give you that toothy grin and say, well, sister and brother, everything's going to be okay. Just put a smile on because some problems are difficult. I feel it. I feel it. And if you'll pardon the personal reference, keeps me awake at night sometimes. Praying for you. Praying for me. Amen. It keeps me sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Because there's times, there's just times when, when I feel the burden and I, and I feel that the enemy has been running around the church. And what he kind of does is, is he'll kind of, it, it, it just seems like themes kind of, Th th things kind of go in, 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 in themes and, and this family's discouraged about something. Next thing you know, so-and-so will call and say, man, I'm really going through it. And then somebody else will text and, and, and they'll say, I feel, I feel kind of down today. Could you pray for me? And, and, and what you see is, is and, and, and I, don't, I don't mean this in any, any way elitist or whatever, what you see as an individual is what you're going through and, and it's right there in front of you and that's what you should see. But, but, because, because I'm connected to multiple ones of you, what I kind of see as, as the person who's supposed to climb up in the watchtower is I see that the enemy tries to seasonally discourage the church and he tries to wear people out and he tries to get the saints to believe that your storm is not going to stop. But I came here to tell you today and I came here to tell the enemy of our soul today and I came here to testify to heaven today that we know one thing, that our God is sovereign and he's going to rule over the circumstance. He's a rider on the winds and the waves. He's rides on the storms and his power is greater than the power of your circumstance. His power is greater than the power of your problem. Your storm, your storm will end. Proverbs 10 and 25 says this, after the storm is passed, after, after, Brother Mullins, after the storm is passed, the wicked are gone, but the righteous remain forever. Is it possible? Let me just ask a question. Is it possible that some of the things, some of the things that plague you, that you've asked God to deliver you from, that your storm is the actual mechanism of deliverance. That God is using your circumstance to bring not destruction to you as Satan threatens, but greater victory and greater liberation and greater freedom to live your life in Christ. The wicked are gone. That's not just wicked people. It's wicked spirits. It's wicked circumstances. It's wicked thoughts. It's wickedness within ourselves. There are things that God uses a storm to liberate us from. There's a young man uh, who participated in the aftermath of Hurricane Jean. If you could show us that picture of that hurricane, Brother Mark. Thank you so much. A very large storm. It covered the Florida, uh, the Florida Peninsula, and you can see it, it extended into the Caribbean all the way up to the Panhandle. It happened in 2004. It was a very large storm, but not a, by hurricane standards, it was not as powerful as some. 40 mile an hour winds. Now that's, that's significant, but it's not, you know, 200. And so these winds came and it blew and it did damage. In 2021 dollars, it did about $700 million worth of damage, which you, if you were progressive insurance, that's a huge problem. 
But for, you know, for most people, it wasn't as devastating as most storms. Suffice to say though, that storm did do a lot of damage. But what's, what's interesting is not everybody was at the aftermath to, to say that it was negative. Not, not everybody looked at it and say, man, I'm moving to New England. This Florida living is not for me. It's a hurricane every season. I gotta evacuate. I'm so tired of this. There was a guy, his name was Joel Ruth. He, uh, Brother Young, he's treasure hunter. And in his garage, he had a metal detector. And Brother Mullins, what he knew was when storms come and the tide gets angry and the winds batter the waves and they come in and crash on those rocks and, and turn up the sand, it turns things over a little bit, Scott. And what he learned was that if you go out after the storm in the aftermath, sometimes you don't just find destruction. Sometimes you find treasure. And so it was that day that he found 180 coins from a Spanish ship. They were silver doubloons, pieces of eight, that were sunk in 1715. And in 2004, he found those 180 pieces of silver. At the value that they were then, it was $40,000, probably much more. And I realize it's not a kajillion dollars, but how many of them could use 40,000 worth of change? You know, a little, that, that would clink very nicely in your little money bag, you know. That'd be, that'd be wonderful to find that. But you know what? You don't find anything valuable in the aftermath if you give up during the storm. You don't find anything of value if you evacuate. And you don't find anything of value if you sit and look at the destruction around you and say, that's it, that's all. I'm done. I'm not going forward. But you find value when you say, Lord, that was quite a storm. But I thank you that I'm alive today. And here in the aftermath, I'm going to begin searching for what you wanted to teach me. What you're going to do in my life. What you're going to have me become. And so we find our text today that there are four promises. Four promises that God makes to those who survive the storm. After the storm, the wicked are gone. But the righteous remain. Amen. The righteous remain. Harrison, there's not a storm in your future, son, that can last longer than you if you'll put your hand in the hand of Jesus. There's not a circumstance that can, that can take you out if you'll put your hand in the hand of Jesus. Willie, you're one of our elders today, and, and an older gentleman, but you just began your walk with God. But I don't want you to fear my, my, my new brother because God is going to take you all the way home. You are going to see Sandy. You're going to get through every storm. You're going to be successful because God has His hand on you and nothing's going to pluck you out of the Father's hand. Amen. Four promises. He's going to perfect you. Lord, I need to be better. I've been stupid again. I've been brash again. I've been angry again. I, Lord, 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 Lord. If y'all knew how many times I prayed that prayer, it's like a broken record at my house. Oh, God, oh, God, help me. Help me be more like you. Help me, help me. I'm rarely praying, God, smite them. Usually I'm saying, Lord, don't smite me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Perfect me. And then when the storm comes, I call up, you know, the, the weather channel. What in the world is going on? Why am I facing a storm? I'll tell you why I'm facing a storm sometimes. Because through the storm, sometimes comes perfection. But after that, he's going to establish us. He's going to strengthen us. What did Joseph say? My coat's bloody. It's gone. I don't know where those sheep are that I left behind. 
I got 11 brothers somewhere. My daddy thinks I'm dead. But I'm standing here in the middle of a famine and the whole world in our Mediterranean basin is going to be saved. Because brethren, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And He sent me here to preserve life. Satan wants to destroy us, but God's going to strengthen us in the middle of the storm. And the aftermath is going to be good for the person who hangs on to the hand of the Lord. And He's going to settle us. There is something wonderful about people that have been through a few storms. That's why I love that we have an age mix in our congregation. I, I love it that we have people from different decades in our congregation, younger and old. I love that because, yes, none of us have the energy of Jude and Bennett. And, and, and we, don't, we don't have the young career enthusiasm and everything of, 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 of our hyphen age folks, Alexandra and, and Jay and Preston. But you know what? There's some wisdom in these folks that kind of, you know, arthritis is not the only thing you get with age. Sometimes you pay attention and you've been through a few storms. You can get settled. And I want every elder in this room today to know that it's a strength to those of us who are running the race just to look at you and know you've been through the storm and you've been established and you've been strengthened and you've been settled. Don't you ever get to thinking that your role in the kingdom of God is lessened or that your value is lessened because you can't you know, necessarily do this or that or, or fill in the blank. Let me tell you something. Just your faithfulness to the Lord is a witness to us. It's a glory to the name of Jesus Christ and we celebrate you. That would be appropriate to, to thank the Lord for bringing our elders through right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to close today. Stand with me, if you will. I, I, I haven't run out of notes, and, and y'all are kind. I really haven't run out of time, but I believe the Spirit wants us to just stop right here and thank the Lord and, 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 and understand what He's going to do. These four promises we can hold in our pocket. Brother Mullins, I didn't make this up. I didn't find it in the Oprah Book Club. And, and, and I didn't find it in the, the self-help aisle. And, and I didn't search Amazon or Barnes & Noble and come up with you know, encouraging words to give people. These four promises came directly out of the Word of God. By the way, the guy who wrote this, Peter, he been through a few things. He been through a few things. He had some people say something about it. He, 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 he did some things himself that were so... Can you imagine denying the Lord three times and, and then on the very night of his crucifixion, of his trial and all of that and, and the passion weekend? What a horrible thing to have to face and try to live now. If your storm has ever been the result of your mistake, if you were your own weather lady or own weather man, it's okay. That guy got to write a book in the Bible too. Yeah. You know, it's all right. You can survive mistakes. You can survive stupidity. You can survive dumbness. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know. God can establish. God can save. God can save. My grandmother, nothing she should say is hide and watch. God's going to perfect me. Because if I'm just staying with Him, He's going to keep working. And I'll be glorious. I want us to respond. Janice is going to sing just a moment. And I understand we have a social distancing concern. So, if you want to pray and receive, it's fine too. Uh, stand with me and see what, whatever you want to do. You do what you feel is appropriate. And certainly, stay in six feet apart for you. But if you want to come to an area in the front or anything, that's fine. But I would ask you today to consider making three declarations. God, He made four of you. 
strong from hand on our perfect strength establishes that he may perform a flourishes. And there's three I want you to make to God today. Watch what we're about there. God, I want to tell you today from my mouth, my stone is not sovereign. My God is Number two declaration I want to make today is my aftermath is not going to be a place of destruction. It's going to be a future full of righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you'll find 40,000 dollars worth of coins in your aftermath, but I know you'll find treasure without price if you stay with the Holy Spirit. God has a way of redeeming the righteous. And thirdly, thirdly, I'm going to praise in the song.
Let's be cursed. Wait a second. Come on. 